0: Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries, where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will, so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. So friends, um, let us now go to the word of God. Um, This is uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 19 to 21. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to 21 It feels a bit hot here I don't know why am I the only one feeling that it's hot sorry update was hot thanks be to God anyway yeah let's let's leave God to do whatever he's doing Um, it's a bit hot but anyway we'll see what to do but we'll nonetheless continue. Friends, you know, I grew up in Kisumu. Can you imagine being in a tent? It's a Sunday service and you're in a tent in Kisumu. You, you, for you, it's an imagination. That was our life. You know, when we're in JCC, a tent. Hot. In the month of January. That time Bishop Mark is, is he's preaching his heart out. And God is moving. Wonderful days. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19 uh, to 21, so lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew, the same, same chapter, we're in the same, same chapter. Now we want to read from verse 25 to 34. Same, same chapter of Matthew 6. So we now want to read from verse verses 25 all the way through to verse 34. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more important than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fo- the fowls of the air... For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking through can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin and yet i say unto you that even solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these wherefore if god so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you o ye of little faith Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the, unto the day is the evil thereof. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. This must be Thando, I believe. Yes, yes, Thando. Thando. Yes, Ayanza. Mm-hmm. Wow. You are growing. He's now bonding, eh? I think he's receiving mysteries, eh? That as I was in the womb of my mother Kanzo, at such a time as this, the Lord was telling me this, baby Thando. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase, this also is vanity. Then we go to the book of uh, Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 28. Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 28. He that trusteth in his riches shall shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to minister your word today. I pray for utterance, I pray for wisdom. And I pray, Father, that the things that I shall speak shall be of you and not of my own. I pray for the understanding and knowledge of whatever I'm going to share today so that wisdom may be the principal thing in the lives of these dear ones. I give you praise, I give you glory and honor, for it is in Jesus' name I've prayed, believing, and trusting. Amen and amen. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to begin, or rather I I want to continue on with the, the third part of the series, Money and Wealth, The Instruments of the Heart. Those of you watching at home, maybe this is your first time you're tuning in. I've been doing a series, uh, uh, and this is the third part of the series, which is Money and Wealth, the Instruments of the Heart. I begin by submitting to us, church, that what sets you exclusively apart from the rest of mankind is the knowledge, the pursuit, as well as also the accomplishment of your purpose. There is nothing else that will show you as a distinguished person, an individual who is exemplary, except that you are a person who's come to the place where you have the knowledge, you have the understanding, as well as also being able to accomplish your prophetic purpose. You know, those who make the maximum impression and significance in life, those who make that impact in life, as well as eternity, these are individuals who discover their purpose at a very early stage. These are people who are fervent insofar as being able to stick with the purpose of God is concerned, and they are willing to pay the price of it. Friends, there is a specific reason why you are born. There is that thing that God has ordained for you to accomplish. While you're here on this dimension of eternity, other is known as time. And therefore, friends, you must discover what is your purpose as an individual. You must discover the purpose as to why you are created and be willing to pay the price of it. You know, many times people say that I want to know my purpose, but they do not want to pay the price. Friends, let me tell you something. Everything in life has a price to pay. If you're not prepared to pay the price, then be a wishy-washy Christian who is nominal. Someone who lives at the lake shore. But if you're serious about pursuing the purpose of God for your life, then you must be prepared to pay the price, friends. You know, the true worth of an individual is not measured by the amount of money that that person has. The true worth of an individual is actually determined by the object of what you are pursuing. That is not my quote, I'm just lifting it from a a particular source. Your value is not because of how much you have. It is because you have already determined what your purpose is, and you're willing to do what to pursue it. You know, friends, life is not about making money. Life is about making an impact. It's not about, you know, chasing after money, friends. Okay, money in and, you remember I told us in part one, money in and of itself is not the problem. Money has never been bad, money has never been good. Money is bad and good depending on what you want it to express. It is you who gives money the power to be bad or to be good. Hello? So, friends. Your journey in life will be of great impact if you carefully design your purpose as well as also follow it. You must understand that God specifically designed each and every one of you for a purpose, not for purposes, for a purpose. You are not mass produced. Okay? You are not mass produced. God did not gather you together with other members of the human race and he produced you in mass, for you, you, and you underwent a mass production, such that when people looked at you, they could see certain defects of the manufacturer. You know when you go to a shop and you buy a garment and you notice there are certain defects? Or you buy a gadget and you notice that there are certain defects of the manufacturer and you return back the product? That is not you. Your nose is positioned where it's supposed to be. Your tongue may appear to be crooked. That is if at all there's any crooked tongue. I've never seen one. But just in case your tongue is crooked and you're ashamed of showing people your tongue, remember that tongue is fine. That What you call crookedness is your signature. Hello? You know, in this day and age, it is very alarming to see how many young people the world over are busy running after money without having any definite or concrete plans. And I'm sure I'm talking to some of you here. At the back of your mind, you're thinking about how to make money and make more money. And even after you've made money, you still want to make more money. You're making money and making money. You run after it. You hear about a business deal. You want it. You do each and everything possible to get a salary increase. Because to you, you think that when you have money, you have security. But the truth of the matter is that you do not have any concrete plan. You have no definite plan as to how you're going to add value to the world. And that is why it's very imperative that as young people, you need to reorientate yourselves. There is need for a reorientation of your value system. You need to have a renewed thinking approach towards wealth as a young person. Because friends, wealth is not all about money. Wealth is about adding value. Wealth is about solving problems and living the world better than you met it. So if you're going to just go through the motions of life wherever you were born, you went to the same, same schools like every other person went through, all the way until campus, you got a job like every other person, as if you're the only person who's been employed, you started making money, you started dating, you got married as if you're the only person who's gotten married, you started producing children or giving birth to children, every other person has done so, even witches do. Hello? And then you go through, and then, and, and then you wait for the peak of retirement, and then you're given a send-off package, and you go to the village and put up a, a, a retirement home, and you start living on pension. My friend, you are of no value, because whatever you're doing, every other person is doing. Wealth is about solving problems. You must understand that God brought you to this world to provide solutions to the problems, because friends, you will only be rewarded for the problems you solve. Not for every kind of conundrum that you identify. You must solve problems. If it is not solving a problem in church, you're solving it in the marketplace. If it is not in the marketplace, you're solving it within the estate or at family level. Hello? You must be someone who is a man or a woman that is willing to provide value, to add value to your generation. Because money is not everything, friends. Now, one of the things about people who are loaded with poverty, you know people who are poor, one thing they do is this. They move from place to place to look for something to consume. But those who are rich are looking for an opportunity to add value, to contribute something. Poverty is people, and when I'm talking about poverty, I'm not talking about money. Please. We are not talking about money here. Poverty is a state. People who are poor, the only thing that they're looking for is to consume. They want to consume, friends. But you know when when you're a rich person, and and you know uh, being rich is not because you've got money, you've got material things. Being rich is a state where you know the kind of value you carry. And you know very well that the moment you express your value, you will be paid. And it doesn't even bother you. You know very well you'll be paid. But people who are poor, they just want to consume. Hmm? You know, a person who has a poverty mind, uh, mindset will always think that opportunities are created for him or to her to eat. Because, you know, people who are poor, they have a certain form of fear. They they have a certain form of uncertainty about tomorrow. They are not so sure about tomorrow. So for them, what they believe in doing is that they'll keep on hoarding and hoarding and hoarding and accumulate. They live the rest of their lives accumulating and protecting what they have accumulated. Whether it was ill-gotten or sometimes even through hard work. Because I discovered that there are some hard-working people who are still poor. You're so hardworking, but you're not prepared to share whatsoever you have in terms of providing solutions. You feel that the moment you begin to add value in an individual's life, that person will overtake you. So you want that person to remain oppressed and wholly dependent on you. So all you want to do is to make sure that person is subjected, subjugated to have a mindset whereby he or she looks up to you as a God. Now, as far as I am concerned, such a person is not rich. Such a person is poor. Because rich people are generous. Yes. People who are rich insofar as the state of their mind and heart are concerned are generous. But poor people, even when you give them resources, they still operate in that poverty state. They want to keep hoarding. Hmm? Have you ever seen somebody who has a lot of money but is a miser? Hello? Yes. They are as poor as a church mouse, not because they don't have anything, but because they they operate on fear. Okay? A poor person spends his life living in uncertainty. The person does not live his life based on the fact that there is no money or there is money. This person will invest his time as well as also abilities in escapades and sprees of consumption. That is what a poor person does. You go to this particular place, you, you see an opportunity, you see something, and the next thing you want to do is to, to do what? You want to hoard. You want to consume. But you're not adding any value. And by the time you've consumed everything, you've left people worse off than when you when you found them. We see them in the marketplaces. We see them in high places of society, even in church, by the way. Hello? They will always say they don't have... They don't have, I don't have. If only I had, if only God can bless me with a job that can pay me six figures, I'll do A, B, C, D. You give, them, you, you give them a job whereby they are earning four figures. They'll not even move an inch to even change the kind of giving, their kind of giving. Even giving tithe is a problem. Because to them, giving tithe is making the pastor rich. When the pastor's wife dresses smartly, they begin to say, this is my tithe. As if your tithe is the only one that can bless the pastor's wife. You know tithes and offerings, they're normally put in one pool. You know, whenever we give money in church, there is no such a thing as this is Masinde's tithe, this is his offering, this is his fast route. Money does not have titles or labels. When money is brought, it comes. We are not even sure whether it came from, you know, someone who broke into a bank and stole. It's true. You know, sometimes, you know, the church has been accused of receiving money from people who have got ill-gotten wealth. Let me tell you something. It is not my business to know where someone has gotten his wealth. Because I may not know. I don't have the eyes to see. Because your relationship with God in matters of money is personal. That's why in this church we do not keep a record of tithers. We do not have a book where we say uh, this is what um, so and so has given. So maybe next month, when we realize that it has reached 15th and Joshua has not given tithes, the church secretary will call Joshua and say, Joshua, according to our records, you've not really paid a tithe. Because, you know, my policy is this, even if you bring me a contract of your new job to pray over it, by the time you leave my house or leave, if you leave my presence, I forget even what you're earning. And I thank God for that. I totally forget. In fact, many times whenever people, are, whenever I come, there guys who get so surprised and they wonder, Kwani Bishop, I told you that I got this increase and I say, well, I don't really remember. I don't really have a record. It is your business, friends. It is entirely your business. Hmm? You know, a poor person is a very interesting individual. You know, I've studied this whole thing about poverty and poor people. And I discovered something about poor people. And maybe some of you will agree with me. A poor person will always want people to be his stepping stones. To access places where he or she will consume and hoard resources. Any time you see somebody who is poor, one of the things you'll discover, this person is looking for people to use. The person will use you as a doormat to access a level where he will not add any value to anybody. He wants that level, he wants that opportunity to do what, to consume everything that he finds. He'll not even leave anything. And if there's anything left, he will take the remainder and hold it for himself. He'll not want that resource to flow to anybody else. That is how poor poor people operate. You know, poor people spend so much more, as in they focus more on their income. But people who are rich, they focus more on the outcome. Look at people who are poor, even when they're in business. They are more concerned about profits, not because they want to use that profit for anything profitable, even to themselves. They want income because because income means an opportunity to consume, not even to save. And then if there's anything else left, the person will want to do what not to save to hoard. You know there's a difference between hoarding and saving. A lot of people who have got money in their bank accounts and let's be very honest maybe it could even it could even apply to you. many people who have bank accounts save, they, they call them savings and so on. the truth of the matter that that money is not for savings it, it, that, that money is being hoarded because the banking system has been made global it has been structured in such a way that people have been cultured to hoard. and you're told that your money is safe. My friends, your money can never be safe anywhere on this planet. Let's tell each other the truth. Even if you keep it in in the safe of your house, it's not safe. Okay? As a rich person, you should be more concerned about what will be the outcome of the value that I add in the lives of people. Because you know what happens with rich people is that they first of all discover what kind of value they carry. So they begin to provide solutions to the problems. And in the process of them trying to provide solutions, if providing that solution would mean investing their resources in the same, they will do so. Because they know very well, the more they invest, the more impact they'll make. And they know very well that whatsoever comes out in return will be of great value. Hello? You know, when the Bible says, Give and it shall be given to you. You see, that scripture is not talking about money. You know, we see it in terms of money. Give and it shall be given to you. Giving is a principle, it's an attitude of the heart. Giving is sacrificial. Giving is investing yourself, investing your life, investing your energy, investing your heart in somebody. Because at the time of need, God will ensure that He will command a unique measure on, of, 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 of investment, which will come from probably even an unusual source. But you know, many times we when, we, when we engage with one another as human beings, whatever we do is that if I'm giving you, next time you should give me. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't work like that. So because somebody is unable to supply it to your life, you become very angry, you become very bitter. You hear people saying, well, I've been supporting this person all this time, blah, blah, blah. Why is he not seeing? Hmm. Why can't he also help me? My friends, just because you've done something does not mean you should have an expectation. Hmm. You help someone go to hospital at the time when that person was needy. And then a, a time comes whereby you probably are going through a very difficult financial situation don't expect the same person will be in a position of assisting you. What if that person may probably be committed financially to other things? How about just allowing God to move the way he wants to move? Yeah. That's why there are people who've actually kept their distance from others, even in church. Because you know, you help people or rather, or, 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 or rather, people help you, and then they have an expectation. I've been in situations whereby I have turned down any any favors from people. Do you know why? Because I do not want somebody to tie me to an expectation. Hey. I hear you. I hear There are people in infamy movement whom I've actually told politely, no, I do not want this. Not because I don't need, but, but it's because I look at the heart and I know this one might be a problem. Hmm? There are those I remember who did a a couple of things for me in the past. And then, uh, and you know, when they did it, there was an expectation. And when I appeared not to respond in a particular way, they became very angry. And they left church. And Bishop was accused. And the truth of the matter is that if you're coming to do something for me, you should do it because, not because I've told you, you do it because you know it is right. Not because I have to do it. Because then what difference is there between we who claim to be believers and those of the world? People of the world, they do that. Hmm? Church is not a place for me to go around. You know that's what, how, how people parade in church? Church has become like me to go around. We want the church to run like a charmer. Hmm? Why didn't so and so contribute when it was my time? And yet wakati wakati wake nilitoa pesa. That is what is happening in church and that's why you find that some people fear even supporting because you see, the challenge is this. We are acting as though church is merry-go-round. Church is not merry-go-round, friends. The question is then why were you giving? That's where, and, 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 and you know, many times, even when we put our offerings and tithes into the offer, or, the bank, or when we wire it into the, into the bank account, when God looks at your heart, he can actually tell that you've not let go of your tithe. You've not let go of your offering. It is in the account, but you know, you've also put yourself in the church account, monitoring the activity of your tithe and offering. Waiting to see will there be a time whereby you'll probably need to buy a particular gadget or you'll move houses or you get this and that. And then when it doesn't happen, you know people in church do not love the pastors in this church. They are this and that and that. Because you monitor. You monitor the amount of money in the church account even though you do not know what is in the church account, but somehow, there's a way in which you just see. You just see your money, and you're hoping that by the time when it is your opportunity to, to, to benefit, you'll still expect the same, same amount of money to come, plus something else on top. Let's be honest. You know... Friends, life is not about money. Every one of us is here for a purpose, and each and every one of us was endowed with a unique combination of gifts and talents, okay? God has given you uh, very unique strengths as well as also skills. Each and every one of us has been endowed with a personality as well as also experiences from where we can draw on, not just to elevate our own lives, friends, but to lift the lives of others. If life is about elevating me and me alone and forgetting you, then I am living in vain. Do you know many people when they leave university, they leave university poorer than when they came because they run after money to increase their consumption. A lot of graduates in this country, I meet graduates and, you you know, you, you, you begin to wonder, then why did this person go to school? This person is looking for an opportunity that has money, not an opportunity to add value. And the reason why this man or this woman wants money is to consume, not to invest, not to add value. Does that say something about a few of us here, if we are honest, the time when you left college? You left university because you wanted money, not because you wanted to add value. You, you left university thinking that you're going to be made a manager. Who said that you'll become a manager because you've got a degree? My friend, there are too many guys who have got degrees. Hmm? You don't want to start law. You do not want to learn the importance of stewardship. You do not want to submit to authority. After six months, you know what? You've left. If it is the infamy lingo, grace has lifted. You move to another job. Many millennials cannot stay in a job opportunity for more than a year. Those who have managed, my friends, those are people that need to be respected. A millennial who finishes one year at a job place, that one A millennial who can stay for six years in a job place, especially if the job environment is oppressive, that is not a normal millennial. That millennium, his intelligent quotient is almost like that on our 40-year-old. Because in our time we were taught to persevere. But your generation friends, oh, you'll hear very interesting things. But it is okay, you will learn eventually. Hard or soft. Hmm? You know, a lot of university graduates, they are less concerned about finding meaning in order to increase their contribution rate. Hey, say that again. Many, many graduates. They have no concern in the process of pursuing life so as to find meaning in life, in order to increase their contribution rate. Life is not about consumption. Life is about contribution. If consumption is, is, is what you're living for, then my friend, I'm sorry for you, because, friends. Wealth is about adding value. Wealth is about solving problems, friends. Wealth is about you understanding that, fr- friends, God has a purpose as to why he gave man uh, money. Okay? God has a purpose why he wants us to have money as well as also grow our wealth. Are we together, friends? Now, one thing you must understand about money, there is something that money will never do for you. It doesn't matter even if you have one billion. Money cannot create purpose in and of itself. You can have a lot of money, but it will never create purpose. Money in and of itself has no life. Money has no power. Money is neither evil. Money is never good. It is the person who has the money. Okay. And you know, friends, money, you remember, I, I don't know whether it was part one or part two, I told us that money is squarely in the spiritual realm. Hey. Because money represents a token of participation in the economy. It is a token of participation in the economy. Money is both God's way of rewarding us for serving other children and motivating us to do so. That is the only thing that money does. Hmm? So, friends, when we are talking about money, we are talking about money as a concept, okay? We are not talking about dollars. We are not talking about South African rand, Kenya shillings, Uganda shillings, okay? We are not talking about the yen, That is not the thing that we're talking about. We're talking about money as a concept. Okay? You must understand that money is a physical object. Okay? And one of the characteristics of money as a physical object is that money can only be in one place at a given time. and if you see money as a physical object then you are operating within the realm of limitation hello that's why we must not see money as a physical object friends must understand this there is a spiritual construct that legal tender is meant to represent okay because if, 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 if we do not see the spiritual construct of legal tender, then what happens is we are operating without structure, we are operating without foundation. Yeah. True legal tender is not necessarily the, the, the few coins you have in your pocket. No, <laughs> my friends, look at it this way, you know the Kenya shilling? Can only be in one location at a time. Okay? But the value of Kenya shillings, the value it represents, it flows through the economy as its lifeblood. Yeah. It is the value. You know, the value of something cannot be limited to one location. Are you are you are you understanding deep economics? It is value that is limitless. Yeah. But if it is a physical object, then there is limitation. That's why, woe unto them who hold money. Because holding money, what you're basically doing, you're devaluing it. Yes. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me and you're wondering. Hmm? You see, the spiritual facet of money is infinite. But the physical facet of money is finite. Okay? Understand, friends, that the, 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 the distinction between the physical legal tender and money, which we have, we've all agreed is spiritual, it is not mere connotation or some kind of artifice. No. It is not some kind of trickery that people are trying to play around, friends. And that's why, friends, your perception of God has a tremendous impact on your finances. Not whether God has given you money. How you perceive God, with or without money, will definitely impact on your finances. Now, when I talk about your finances, I'm not talking about your your bank account uh, 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 having some figures. Even when you don't have money. Even when you don't have money. Your perception about money. I'm not not talking about money, I'm talking about your money. Not physical money, the value. Because it is your value that determines how much you have in your account, not the currency. You can open a dollar account, but you know the dollar keeps on fluctuating. Now, is Bishop saying we should not open a dollar account? No. Friends, unfortunately, one thing we must agree is this. In as much as you've seen that I, I, I sometimes appear as though I am anti-the banking system, but the reality of the matter is this. We live, in a, we, we, we live in an ecosystem whereby there are places you will not be able to access unless you produce a bank statement. For instance, in most foreign uh, missions, they require a bank statement of at least three or six months. So that means you must have a bank account, isn't it? We do that because we are fulfilling the righteousness that is there. You see, there's fulfilling the righteousness of men, but there's the righteousness of God we must fulfill. Okay? You know, your perception of God will affect how you view material blessings. How you give to God and how you give to others, how you perceive those who are rich and how you perceive those who are poor. Hello? You know, Philippians four nineteen says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, friends, God supplies according to need. There is no supply without a need. No need, no supply. God does not supply to once. He supplies to need. So until something becomes a need, friends, God is not supplying. If there is any supply that comes your way towards meeting that particular need, it's not God, according to that particular scripture. The right kind of need is what attracts the right resource. And the resource in and of itself is supernatural. Why do I call it supernatural? It is supernatural because it comes with solutions. Solutions that will stay for long, not something which is temporary. Okay? If consumption is your need, then my friend, God is not coming your way. If you you just want to consume, my friend, God, you are very far from God. God loves you, but you, 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 you are out of order. You just want to consume, my friend, God is not there. Let there be a need. Identify what is it that you need as an individual. And you see... For something to be a need, what that means is that it must not just add value to yourself, but it must add value to somebody. Come on! Because, you know, you can't tell me that you're walking with God and yet you don't want people. (laughs) Walking with God is having people. Having people is having God. Let me take it further. It is not about your friends. Those within your circles, you know those people who are you know that cartel that you've built around yourself of people who, who who cannot call you out when you're wrong? I am talking about people who are not necessarily your friends. Can I take it further? Sometimes your enemies. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> My friends. Walking with God, you say you want to walk with God, I can assure you, some of us have been dealt with by God, whereby God sends you to someone that you know hates you, but the Spirit of God has commanded you to supply. And you do it. Woo! That time, we have separation anxiety, but you know what, as far as you're concerned, you must supply. Yes. If you only help people who help you, then you are not helping, you have no value. You must go beyond those whom you know and seek for those you don't know, those who have no capacity even to do a single thing for you, those who cannot even pray for you, they cannot even fast for you, they can't. Even people who have the capacity to disown you in future, my friends, those are the people God is sending you to test you. I've been there. You assist somebody and the person insults you after, after some years. What do you do? Do you now say I'll never give to anybody my friends? You're not a Christian. You are an unbeliever. Because non-believers do that. There must be a difference between those who are believers and those who are not believers. If you remember the Sermon on the Mount, whereby Jesus was saying, Do good to them that do what? Persecute you. Pray for them. You want to walk in perfection, my friends. Perfection demands that you also do good to them who are evil. Because it is part and parcel of you fulfilling the purpose of God, especially in the area of money, friends. Huh? That's why you must understand your purpose. Because purpose is what will regulate the supply of your needs. You know, the bigger your spiritual purpose, whereby we talk about your dreams and goals, the bigger the supply that God has reserved for you. Hello? Hello? You know, the more resources you need to accomplish God's sublime purposes, the bigger will be your supply. And that's why, friends, a life which is needless is unproductive. In other words, a life that has no need of God and therefore no need of people, that life is unproductive. Because when you say you need God, it means you're say, telling God, I need people. Now, not I need so-and-so because I feel this person can be of benefit to me. No. You need someone to whom you can become benefit to. Hello, church? That's why you should never view money as a physical object. Because money is spiritual. The moment money becomes physical, then you you are basically saying that that there is limitation. And you know, if money is finite, then you can only accumulate more and more of it by taking, at, uh, taking it away from somebody. If money is physical, then the only way out, since it's physical, it means that, it, it, that this, this money has, the, it has a propensity to do what to go away. So why not, why not go to Koi and snatch what she has? That's what a lot of people are doing even in business. You undercut somebody because you think that when you have more and more cash into your account, you have an advantage. The truth is that you have no advantage. What if that bank collapses? you start a business and and, and the the next thing you hear that that business has been run down you import goods from abroad and and, and the ship is sunk by a submarine and you had invested everything there. you die of heart attack a lot of people die of heart attack because because that's where they bank their hopes on friends, it's interesting Hmm. you know, you do not have to rob somebody in order to make yourself rich Hmm? You don't have to rob anybody. And you know, being rich is not bad. And I'm not one of those people who will tell you it's not good f- 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 for you to become wealthy. Wealth is necessary, my friends. Without wealth, we can't worship. Read your Bible very well. In the Old Testament, when Pharaoh said that, you know what? You can go, but leave everything. Leave the cows. Leave, and, and, and you know, Moses said, we are not even leaving one hoof. Because God expects those resources to be used to offer sacrifices to him. That is why the gold and the silver was taken away from the Egyptians and the economy collapsed. Because that was what was going to be used to build the tabernacle. So friends, if God has given us stuff, my friends, it's because years to come is what he is looking at. So if you're not looking beyond 2022, if you cannot see beyond 2030, my friend, you're living in vain. It's better if you died. Ouch. Bishop, that is wrong. That is being insensitive. I like to be blatant. I like to be abrasive. And sometimes there's a, there's, there's a degree of brutality in how I speak. Not because I am insensitive. No, it's because I have to share with you reality. I don't want to lie to you now. Give, give. Your container is coming. Sew so into this anointing. My friends, we don't sew that way. You have to sow with knowledge. If there's no knowledge, my friends, it doesn't matter how much you bring to me. But I'm not going to be able to get container. person. I'm going to to a container. So, what do to do? have a green to Apocalypse. Good choice. Now, I'm just being honest. You know, we have to tell each other the truth. Okay? So never operate in that deluded belief that money is physical, okay? Because what happens is that you'll find yourself being caged into the economic system that controls the world, whereby you are made to think that for you to earn more, you must take from others forcefully. Money is spiritual, and you know, because of the spiritual aspect of money. The spiritual reality of money is that it is capable of being in many places at the same time. Does that make sense to you? If money is spiritual, then it means it can be at many places at the same time. In other words, the value of the Kenya shilling here is the same as in the U.S. When you look at the exchange rate. This is economics. The value of the Kenya shillings right now, here in Kenya, is the same is of the same, same value when you go to Dubai, in terms of the exchange rate. Yeah. Hmm? You see, when you go to Dubai and you, and you see an Arab holding, uh, holding a Kenyan kind of shilling note, that note does not have value. That note in and it of itself, it is, it, 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 the value comes as a result of the exchange rate. Exchange rate, when I, when I talk about exchange rate, we are talking about goods and services. Yeah. Hello, guys. So money is not physical. Believing that money is physical is a fatality on people's bank accounts. It is most ludicrous. Okay? Because, you know, friends, such a belief in the fact that money is physical, what it does is that it robs you of the ability to to, to participate in business ethically. Aha! 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 The other thing that I like to say... Money is not interchangeable with goods and services. Money can never be interchangeable. Money can only be exchanged. You can only exchange money with goods and services. But you cannot interchange money with goods and services because the cost and value are not the same thing. Ah, aha. Teach us. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, because, as I've shared, wealth is spiritual. And and something which is spiritual, you know, is endless. Hello? Anything which is spiritual is, is, is endless. So if wealth is spiritual, then it means it is endless. Okay? Because wealth is spiritual and endless, the physical markers of money must be created in an amount that matches the growth of wealth which occurs from these spiritual transactions. Does that remind you of your economic class? You know, most governments all over the world, what happens is, is that they struggle to mint the physical amount of legal tender that equals to the growth as well as also wealth. And that is why, friends, too much physical money leads to inflation. Less of physical money is deflation. And that is why... You know, trying to strike that balance between inflation and deflation is not a very, very easy thing for most economists, okay? Because friends, physical money is just a marker. It is not, it is not the value itself. It is just a marker for the creation of spiritual wealth, which grows at fluctuated rates. All right? Because friends, the spiritual growth of money never fluctuates. The physical growth of money is perfect. The spiritual one. But physical one will fl- fluctuate hmm? because, friends, the spiritual growth of money represents all of the goods, all the good that has been created, okay? In terms of all the economic interactions. You know, physical things such as dollars, currency, Kenya shillings, they don't operate that way. This, whatever I'm sharing, only applies to spiritual things. And you know, spiritual principles, they, they, they are very much interconnected. When you look at the genesis and, and, and the bedrock of, of, of the principle of money, it also works as well also in relationships between two people and other things. That is a someone for another day. Mm-hmm. And that's why, friends... When you talk about inflation as well as deflation, these are basically just observable proof of the differences between the physical as well as also the spiritual aspects of money. Okay? And both inflation and deflation, they are an evidence that the creation of money is spiritual even though its markers are not. That's why in observable terms, you can see that there's a tension between that which is physical and that which is spiritual, okay? In quantifiable terms. That's why, friends, we must divorce the physical markers of money from the spiritual concept it represents. That is now when wealth will make sense. But as long as you're holding on to the physical markers, my friends, you're not wealthy, you're a consumer, and you're useless. Consider money as a certificate of performance, to prove that one human being has benefited from another. If I give you a hundred hundred shilling bill, it's a certificate of performance. It basically qualifies that you have benefited from me, pekeyake. Mm. Mm. And you know, the benefit in itself is not necessarily physical. It is infinite. And it is also exponential in its effect. L- let's look at it this way. I give you 5,000 shillings notes. Eh? I'm not giving it to you because you're better than me. I'm giving it to you because of the value I see you have. I'm not giving to you as a person. I'm giving to the value you represent to me. I'm giving you because I can see that by by me giving you, I'm basically giving you the capacity to tap into the reservoir of your innumerable resources, of your gifts, talent, and abilities, so that you may become an impact to your generation. I'm not giving to you so that you may give back to me. That is merry-go-round. I'm giving to you so that you may also give to somebody else. I'm giving to you because I can see there is potential. I'm appreciating what you have. And maybe probably you may not even know that you have that potential, but because I'm spiritual, I'm able to see that potential. And it's like I'm trying to motivate you. The certificate of performance is to motivate you. Whenever we were given certificates in, in, in school, it was to motivate us and to appreciate us, isn't it? Not because of, 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 of how we physically look. It is because of the value that we've added, not only to school, but the value we're going to add when you go out there. That, when, that whenever you're applying for a job or probably you, you, you are seeking for a promotion and they tell you to present your curriculum vita, among the things you'll have to present are those credentials. Isn't it? Or am I, am I saying something that only happens in my world? I believe I'm speaking something that you can identify with. And you see, the only reason why the markers of currency are printed is to keep a track of the growth of the spiritual growth of money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Markers are only there to facilitate transaction of goods and services, nothing else. Markers are not there to add value. Let me stop at one. Yeah, it's tempting, no, we cannot continue. This one I will stop here and here. I don't, know whether I'm, I don't know whether I'm becoming a blessing to you people because today you're so quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am, am, am I really blessing you? Yeah. Am I saying something that is touching you? Yes. How many are, are, are being blessed by this series? Because I even don't know when I'm going to finish. I have no idea. Continue. Continue. Hey, I'll need to rest. <laughs> you're, being, you, you, you're benefiting? Yes. Yeah, for some of you, I believe it was just one way of of remembering what you learned when you're doing your economic class. But maybe I was just using a a, a different language, but just to to share very simple economics. So we'll continue on and on next week. I'll I'll, I'll still minister. Um, Of course, a week after we have the Bible study Sunday. Let's see how many more weeks we can actually... Cover this. It's very hard to teach on money, even within six months, because the whole idea of this subject, money and wealth, is pretty wide. Money and wealth, the instruments of the heart. But I bless God that by the end of it all, we'll have a very different, a broader understanding of money, not just as a concept, but as a reality that we can be able to actualize in our lives in a way that the spirit of Mammon will not hold us captive. Okay? Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.